right. If you did say amen. amen. All right. We're going to talk about the end times. Get ready. We, uh, you know, I get to talking about this and it's hard for me to stop. And I know everybody can say amen to that too and it won't offend me. Yeah, I knew there'd be a few out there. All right. And um, it's just, it's hard to find a good place to stop. So bear with me, all right? You don't have anywhere else to be. You're just going to watch something cruddy on television probably anyway or listen to bad news or something that just isn't edifying. So just hang tough, all right? Do what? President Bush is on. What time does he come on? Oh, well, you, you know what? They replay those things so many times, you can probably catch it somewhere sometime in bits and pieces from all the playback that'll go on. All right, let me tell you something. President Bush, I think, is a good guy, and I'm sure it'll be insightful. But I'll tell you what, if we're studying God's Word, and especially last days, how many of you know we know how it all turns out? Sure we do. Absolutely. All right, we've been talking about and have taught on the concept of rapture and some of the tribulation. We've talked about the Great Tribulation. We've talked about the wrath of God to some extent and put some of those concepts out. I told you that I believe the Bible teaches a rapture, but I haven't placed it on a timeline yet, have I? Because I've left you hanging on that one. Cross. We'll call that church age. And there's going to be a moment right in here when seven years is going to happen, and it is going to be an interesting period of time, and... Uh, We've started to talk about that, and, but I've not, I've not put the rapture here because my view is a little bit different than some folks. I do understand that the predominant of, predominance of Christian material out there is going to put you getting out of here right about there, right before that seven year starts. Jesus will come and receive his church and, and all the great books and movies and things that are written usually adhere to that view. And, uh, and so if that's your view, that's great because there are a lot of people that believe exactly that. Now, having said that, you're already aware of the fact that I'm probably going to put it a little bit different place. And we're going to talk about why I, I believe that's what the Bible teaches tonight. Um, the Bible never says, it never says, that we will escape tribulation. The Bible says that we are not appointed to wrath. Or, in other words, we will escape the wrath of God. How many of you can say praise God? I mean, I've been through tribulation, and now there's wrath, so if I can get out of that, I'm most happy to be away. But tonight, um, this may be somewhat controversial and maybe somewhat interesting to you um, because I'm going to uh, place the rapture as I see it in the scripture. And, and, and I want to say this. My hope, clearly my hope, is, as, is that Jesus does exactly this. I mean, he can, come, he can come tomorrow and I'll be a happy camper. I mean, if he were to receive me and his church and it was tomorrow, I, there... That would be a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I want you to know, I am pulling for pre-trib. I'm pulling for it. That's what I want. However, my, my, my study, how many of you know what I want and what God says can be two different things? Yes, 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 yes. And, and, and some of my study and my instincts and my discernment, and, and, and do I dare to say Holy Spirit sensitivity, is telling me it may be just a little later in that seven years than some of us have been led to believe. Now, I'm going I'm to show you why. 
Now, now you may say to yourself, well, pastor, if, if that's what you believe, it seems somewhat paradoxical that uh, you would want to see it happen at the beginning of the seven years. And, and you know what? This is how I teach it. This is, this is just how I will explain it. I liken this instruction to training an army or training soldiers. You know, if you go into the military and you begin training for military service, your hope is you never have to go to war. That's your hope. Your hope is that any conflict that the nation might get into can be avoided or it could be settled. Your hope is that you will be spared from having to face any adversity. Isn't that true? I mean, I know that's true. But you train to be an army that no matter what happens, you're the best, you're the toughest, you're the most prepared, you are absolutely ready if you are called upon to face an adversary and whatever conditions it is that you might be put in. Now, can you say amen? Because that's truth. That's truth. 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So the Bible says that you and I are compared to soldiers. Everyone say soldier. Say, I'm a soldier. Church, church really is. You know, we are a part of the army of God. My feeling is legacy ought to be the Green Beret. That's my feeling. We, just, we ought to be special forces. All right? You're saying, I don't know that I signed up for that. Well, God bless you. You just tripped into special forces. Now, my only concern is, 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 is that if, 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 it, if, this, if this is teached like it is and they're good, godly Christian people and they're absolutely convinced, and believe me, they've got mega scripture in order to prove their point, and I've got no problem with the instruction in that area. But here's, here is my concern just because of the age we're living in. Sometimes I think we teach to put people to sleep. They become sleepy. They are sleepy because they hear all the sleepy stuff. The sleepy stuff. You know, we've, we've heard God loves us, and he does love us. He loves us immensely. He loves us more than we can love one another. All that is absolutely true. But I'm afraid we hear that God loves us to the point we are sleepy in it. And, and so, so I'm just saying we, we've got to break out of our sleepiness and just be sure that no matter how it all unfolds, you and I are prepared to walk it out. And as your pastor, I want to train you for a war I hope you never have to face. I don't want you to face it. I don't want you to be here. I, I want to train you, though for a time, God willing, you will never have to know about. But if all those people that write those books are wrong, and if by chance, after I show you, I may be right, you may be glad you are ready in order to work through this particular time period, some. All right? So I figure you can't lose one way or the other. So... We're going to get tough. All right. I want to give you a list of things tonight. And uh, again, I'm, I'm going to, I, I am just, I am just, I'm zeroing in. I'm going to do a good job tonight of getting through all this. I want, to, I want to share with you a list of things we know will take place at the time of the rapture. Now, I'm going to go through the Bible here, and you can write these down if uh, you are having trouble keeping up with me. But there are several things. I just wrote down a list of 12 things that we know for sure will take place around the time that Jesus catches away 
his people in what we call the rapture. Number one, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, he says there is a mystery to it. It says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So there's, he says there's going to be a mystery to it. Now, you may want to write these down because I'm going to come back to this list before the night's over. There's a mystery. The Bible also tells us, number two, that, that a trumpet will sound. It says in that same passage, uh, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, it says. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16, we've read this several times already, you probably know it by heart. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. So there's going to be a trumpet. A trumpet will sound. In fact, this is really important. Remember this now. The Bible doesn't say it's just any trumpet, but it is the last trumpet. Did you read, did you read that? 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Everyone say last. All right, not just any. It's the last one, which means what? There must be a... There could be a first, second. It could be... An, could be some trumpets blasting, but all we know is the last one, he comes. All right? Number three, it says the dead in Christ shall arise first. Now, that's not talking about some dead denominational church. That is not what that is talking about. It is not talking about anything like that. It's talking about those who have died. It says, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. It says so in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. It says that the dead in Christ will rise first. So we know that. You're saying, Pastor, I know this stuff. Just bear with me. All right, I'm going somewhere. Next one, number four. The Bible tells us it shall be in a split second. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it says that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. I don't know how a twinkle, as I understand it, it's even faster than a blink. Now, blink's pretty fast. But twinkle, in the twinkling of an eye. In fact, the Greek word, go ahead and throw that up there. It's atomos, which is translated a moment, but it's where we get the concept of atomic from. And again, I'm not, I'm not a physicist, I'm not a scientist, I know very little in this area, but what I am told is an atomic second was quicker than that. I mean, it is, it is fast, and that's how swiftly he will come. Matthew 24, 27 says, As lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So uh, there's going to be a, a, a swiftness, a split second, and the Bible tells us it, it's going to surprise some too when it happens, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Number five, it says that there will be the sound of a shout. The sound of a shout. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Hallelujah. So there'll be a shout. Number six, the Scripture tells us an angel will potentially shout and blow the trumpet. Interesting. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. Again, it says that the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, that's, uh, that will be blown. Matthew 24, 31. 24, 31. Bear with me just for a moment. We read, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. A great sound of trumpet of a trumpet. Number seven, the Bible tells us that the clouds will open. 1 Thessalonians 
4.17 says, it says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, where? In the clouds. Now there's another verse in the Bible that rarely gets used when we talk about issues of the second coming, and it's in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. Some of you will remember this instantly, but look at this. First current, uh, excuse me, Acts 1, uh, verse 9, it says, Now when he, meaning Jesus, had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a, what? A cloud received him out of their sight. That's when he ascended. And it says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So what they're saying is just as you saw him go right now, it'll be very close to the same when he comes again. Number eight, the Bible tells us that at the time of the rapture, it says that, that rewards will be handed out to the saints. Now, again, you can read all of these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as well as 2 Corinthians 5 deals with the Bema seat. And I've already talked to you about what happens when the saints of God are translated into the air what, what goes on with them in that time period, however long that time period they, they, they are with the Lord, as tribulation and wrath is happening on the earth, the Bible tells us that at that time, um, rewards will be dispensed to believers, and that will happen at the Bema seat. So that happens during this time period as well. Number nine, the Bible tells us that the saints will avoid the wrath of God. Now, we talked about this last week. It's very important. I read to you verses that told us that in this world we will have tribulation, that there's going to be difficulty. Now, whether or not you want to believe that that, that counts the same as this seven-year period, I'll let, I'll let you do your own little word study, but the word for tribulation is much different than the word for wrath, and the Bible is clear on this point that we shall not face the wrath of God. We will not face the wrath of God. Number 10, destruction, the Bible tells us, comes upon some of the inhabitants of the earth. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 3, it talks about the suddenness that this coming uh, will have. And uh, in that suddenness, it says, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come, comes upon them. That's, it's talking about that moment that Jesus comes. You say, well, why would there be destruction? Well, it, I mean, if you have a Christian pilot who's flying an airplane, and the translation takes place, how many of you know there's a high likelihood for destruction? Now, these are, these are the things that we don't like to think about. We, we, don't, we don't like to think about people being charged of significant things, Christian people, and all of a sudden they're gone, and it's just left hanging, and it could cause great difficulty in that moment of rapture. I also mentioned to you at the same time that, uh, as we will read the Scripture that there will be natural calamity that can come as well. Turn to 2 Peter 3.10. 2 Peter 3.10, it tells us, 2 Peter 3.10, it tells us that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So he's talking about this translation, in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be, it says, burned up or laid bare. Now, I know people have often put that at a different location in this, in this scheme, 
But the important part for you to realize is, is that he talks about the day of the Lord, thief in the night, and uh, he says there's going to be destruction that will begin to take place when this event happens. So I personally believe that when the rapture happens, it could be associated with a natural calamity. You know, I, I mean, how else would the world dismiss what took place? I believe that there could be a natural calamity that happens in order that the world can somehow write off the disappearance of all of these people to some natural calamity, when in actuality it was the Lord who uh, received his people. Then number 11, the Bible says that no one knows the day or the hour. Jesus was clear on this point. If you hear anybody tell you it's this day or it's this hour, you can pretty much go, eh, wrong answer. Wrong answer. But interestingly enough, and I've already told you this before, that Jesus looked at those disciples and also he said, if you'll watch the fig tree, when it blossoms and it blooms and it begins to bear fruit, he says, know that summer is near. He says it's going to be close. And then he goes on to say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be with the coming of the Son of Man. And I have read that verse to you, Genesis 7, verse 4, where God looked at Noah and he said to Noah, in one week, in one week I'm going to send the flood. Now I'm going to begin to show you how, indeed, we could begin to get a sense, not the day or the hour. How many of you know, no matter where you place a rapture, you'll never know the day or the hour because we'll never know this day or hour. I mean, I mean if, if, if you, if you, even if you were to place it somewhere in here, you'd never know the day or the hour because you'd never know exactly when that seven-year time period started. So don't get worried about setting, you know, I'm not setting any dates, but I am, I am going to begin to show you how it could be very possible that we could have a real sense of eminence. Not the day or the hour, but a sense of eminence, that it's, that it's close. This could be happening quickly. In fact, it, it, this gets taught wrong all the time. But in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, verse 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 4, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, we got to watch all those scary B-movies about Thief in the Night and Distant Thunder and, and all those, those movies, and, and, and they did, you know, as good a job as they knew how to do. But they always, they always made it sound like that, that Jesus was coming for his church like a thief. No. That's not what it says. It says uh, in verse 2, yes, the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. But it says in verse 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, but you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Do you read that? That's in the Bible. He says, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So those that are reveling in darkness, he will come like a thief. But those who are of the day, sons and daughters of the light, he's not going to overtake you as a thief. I believe this with all of my heart. There's going to be a sense. There's going to be a spiritual sense. I don't know how to describe it, but something's in the air. You just know something's in the air. You're watching and something's in the air. You don't know the day or the hour, but something's in the air. All right. Number 12, the Bible also tells us that the saints are gone before the Antichrist is revealed. The saints are gone before Mr. Antichrist shows up. 
Now turn to 2 Thessalonians 2 and let me read this quickly. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now listen to what he says. Now listen to this. You know, it's amazing. You read the Bible and, and when you hear someone else read it, it almost sounds different than you read it. But then you look at it and it says exactly what he said. It says, Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin, that's the Antichrist, the man of sin is revealed. Everyone say revealed. That is a very important word. You need to circle it. You see in my Bible, it's circled and it's underlined. He has to be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. Revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then, listen now, and then the lawless one will be revealed. All right, so we're all on the same page. Everything's pretty cool. But listen to how he's going to be revealed. He says, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one, and this is what I believe in verse 9, that, that he will be revealed on the basis of verse 9, and that is the lawless one, his coming is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Jesus was on the earth for many years before he was revealed to be the Christ. Do you remember Peter? They're just cooking along with Jesus, and he asks, who do men say that I am? And everybody's saying, well, some of them think you're a big shot prophet. Some of them think you're John the Baptist. Some of them think you're Elijah. Well, who do you think I am? And Peter says, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And instantly Jesus seizes that and he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Now get this, they walked with him. Are you with me? But they didn't have a revelation of him. In fact, Jesus had even done some signs and wonders and they still weren't really getting it, apparently. Because he says, this is the moment you're getting it. You are getting who I am. Revelation, now this is important. Revelation doesn't just mean somebody shows up. You know, you can come to church and you can hear the Bible and, and you get the words, but you don't have revelation. Revelation means unveiling. Unveiling. It's, it's, it's the first time maybe you hear a scripture and something inside of you lights up and it's like, I get it. Have you ever had an I get it moment? Oh, man, now I see it. You've heard it for years. A lot of us were wondering when you would get it. But there came that moment. It, how do you, you, it was unveiled to you. Reveal, reveal. That's the word. Reveal, it comes from the Greek apocalypsis. It means to unveil to awaken, to understand. I get it. It says that when the Antichrist shows up, 
he is revealed. He, he doesn't just show up. The Bible doesn't say he just shows up. The Bible says he is revealed in his own time. In other words, there's a moment that he's going to be revealed. People have asked me, we had a great discussion with my son one night after one of these lessons, and he was asking me questions, and it was really kind of interesting. And he said, Dad, could it be that the Antichrist is like, is he here on earth right now? Could he be just like this little kid? And what's, you know, and he was asking me these questions, like, you know, you know, what does he look like? I mean, does he spin his head around? And I mean, does he, you know, is 666 tattooed? You know, under, I mean, you know, just all these questions. They're great questions. And the answer is, he well could be. You say, well, wouldn't he know it or somebody know it? I don't know that he may or that others may. I know that we probably don't because his time is not yet to be revealed. Are you hearing me? That's going to be an important concept here in just a minute. And I believe verse 9 tells us that his revelation will come with lying power and lying signs and wonders. All right? Now, I've given you these 12 indicators. I've showed you the scripture as to the characteristics or the events uh, in the scripture that would surround his coming. Now, let's turn to the book of the Revelation. Everyone turn back there. Now we get to read the Revelation. Ooh. I've, I've often said that John either heard from God or he got a hold of some wild drugs or something. I mean, it just, this is a wild book, isn't it? Now nah, he heard from God. Now, for those of you, listen to me now, for those of you you say, well, you know, I've always been taught and I read and I watched so-and-so on the television. This is what he tells me. If, 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 if we're getting out of here at the beginning of the seven years, you've got to pull that out of Revelation chapter 4. You, in Revelation chapter 4, that's where you've got to get it from. Now, I'm not going to read all of Revelation 4 to you. I'm just simply going to tell you that in Revelation 4, what we read here is the story of how John, the writer of the book, was translated through an open door in heaven in order to get this revelation that he ultimately received from the Lord. This is the account of what took place. And many people, many good, godly, Bible-believing, and I mean they, they, are, they are scripture students, will go to Revelation chapter 4, and they will tell you that this is, this is a symbolic portrait or a type of the rapture of the church. Now, uh, they'll also point out to you that in the first three chapters, you'll hear about the church, and then after that, you do not hear anything about the church from about Revelation 4 to Revelation uh, 22, somewhere in there. You just don't, you don't hear much about the church. However, in those chapters between 4 and 22, you will hear much about the saints. Now, you, weren't, you won't see the Greek word ekklesia, but you will see the word hagias, or the saints, or the holy ones. So, uh, for most of my Christian life, and I've been studying in this area, this is part of the reason when I told you when we started these studies, you know, I, I, you know I'd read so much and, and after a while I just said, you know, I mean, there's so many people that make really good points on all of this stuff. You know, I just don't know where I'm going to land. But my biggest difficulty was when I heard the, the, the bigwig teachers teach on this stuff and they point to Revelation 4 for a rapture, I'd read that chapter and I'd always come out and say, I don't get it. I mean, I know that I just don't see it. Now, I see John leaving. But I don't see any, I mean, maybe it's symbolic, but that's about the best you can get. You can get, a, you can get some symbolism here, but I, I don't see it like everyone else sees it. And so what I had to do was I just started going through Scripture, and um, I set 
I said it a little bit different place. So, so now turn over to Revelation 6, and let's go through this, and i got to move quickly. i got 10 minutes. Help him, Lord. 10 minutes to get you through seven years right now. Can it be done? Watch. Okay, I already mentioned to you, right here, this time period is marked by three to three and a half year time periods, and this begins in Revelation chapter 6. These time periods begin, Revelation 6 uh, it starts this whole time period, and this moves through about Revelation 19. All of that happens in your Bible. Now, the first three and a half years, we come up and some interesting things begin to take place. There are seven seals, the Bible tells us, that are opened up and loose several things. Now, just go ahead and throw it up on the screen. The first seal opens up, and the Bible says there's a white horse with a guy on it who goes out to conquer. Now, this is a picture, and I agree with most everyone else, that it's, that it's a picture of the Antichrist. He comes as a false messiah. He's riding this white charger. He looks like a savior, but he's not. And so this is what's coming, this first seal, this first horse. And you say, well, if the Antichrist, and we'll just say AC here, and that's not air conditioning, that's Antichrist, all right? If, if he's showing up here, then it seems to me that's when he's revealed. No, it, it just means that something gets started, and, and we're going to begin to see that his influence and ability to influence begins to increase through this first three and a half year time period. He shows up, but he doesn't show up with this t-shirt that says, hey, I'm the Antichrist. Now, think about this for just a minute. He shows up, and, he's, and I'm the Antichrist. How many of you know right now, people have watched enough movies with enough bad theology in it to know they don't want to hang around the Antichrist? Do, do we agree on that? I mean, even the world. I mean, you know, you, you know, they, I mean, you know, if it gets right down to it. So he's on the scene, but I don't know that that means he's revealed yet. And there's certainly no signs and wonders taking place yet, as it said in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9. So these seals open up. The second seal opens up, and there's this red horse. There's this strife and war. And, and the Bible says that this, this Antichrist is given arms to battle. The third seal is a black horse. The black horse represents economic disruption. In fact, it's interesting, when you read about the black horse, it says... Um, uh, just to be interesting, it says that uh, he had a pair of scales in his hand, verse 5. I heard a voice in the midst saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. Now, what it says is, is that you can buy food, but it will be incredibly expensive. In other words, inflation has gone up so much that you won't believe what you'll pay for something. I remember when milk was 39 cents a gallon. And now it's what, 289? Three bucks? Four? Okay, I don't know where you buy your milk, but I, anyway, the point being is, there's going to come a time when, when the, uh, there'll be runaway inflation, but look what it says, but do not harm the oil and the wine. It won't matter how much we pay for food, just don't take away our toys. Just don't take away our pleasure. Just don't take away all the things that make us happy and feel good, and, and, and so this is what that time period is going to look like. The fourth seal is a pale horse, and the pale horse releases disease and sickness now, now, listen to me very closely, because this is what I think is, is going to happen. I personally believe that, that the Antichrist will be both causing and curing these problems. He will be causing and curing 
these problems. There's going to be a very subtle swing. How many of you have computers right now? And how many of you know that some of your viruses that hit your computer are being sent by companies that want to ultimately fix your computer? You know that to be, I know that to be true. They send you a virus, and then they send you these little pop-ups and say, for $49.95, I can fix that virus you just got. Of course, they don't put in parentheses, from me. This will be very much like that. And people are really going to like this guy. But, but, but understand, at this point, for all they know, he's just this, this peacemaker. He's just this incredibly intelligent politician. He could be any one of a, a number of things, and we will talk about him a little bit in more detail later. But just, just understand that all these things are going to be happening as, as he's moving through this tribulation time period. So there are, these, there are these four seals. Then he says, I see a fifth seal. And if you'll just allow me, I'll just put that there because it's like all of a sudden he sees into the spirit realm and he sees the, the martyrs. He sees those that have given up their lives for the faith. And they're crying out from under the altar and they're saying, how long, O Lord? How long, holy and true? How long are you going to let this happen? And the voice of the Lord says, for yet a little while longer. Just a little while longer. Then there's the sixth seal. The sixth seal has this upheaval, this cosmic upheaval. Things are beginning to escalate. Sixth seal. We'll just put one, two, three, four, five. Sixth seal. Things are beginning to, to escalate. And my belief now, once we reach this point with the sixth seal, this cosmic upheaval, there are things that are just happening. I don't know if they're meteors, asteroids. I don't understand all that. There's such imagery here. I don't know that I understand all of it. But my belief is that from Revelation 7 to Revelation 11 is an account that happens very quickly. Imagine for just a moment that you're watching on television some movie. Or maybe you've gone to see a play. And as you're watching this play, there's a lot of action going on in the play. In fact, if you go to a really good play and they're doing a really good job, you've got things happening over here and over here and over here. And all these things are happening, but they're all happening at the same time. And, you're, and, and I've been at plays before. I'm watching, and, and, and I, when it's done, I'm a little frustrated because I say, I didn't get to see everything that was going on, so I've got to go see it again. So that's why we go see movies a couple times. Because we couldn't see everything that was going on at the exact same time. Here is John. John's been translated up into the heavens. God gives him this panoramic view of what's going to happen. And Revelation 7 through 11, you got some things cooking, and he's just writing. That's what, that's what I believe is going on at this particular point. So for a moment, break out of your chronological mentality. You know, in, in our minds, this is how we think when we read the Bible. We read Acts chapter 1, one day. Acts chapter 2, second day. Acts chapter 3, third day. So, you know, we figure by the time you get to Acts 10, it's been 10 days since Pentecost. No, it's been probably about 15 years or more. So break out of that mentality for just a minute and understand how to look at the book. All right, because things are happening quickly. He's writing, and then all of a sudden, there's this seventh seal that's broken. And this seventh seal is broken in Revelation uh, uh, six, seven, and eight, and all of a sudden, seven trumpets begin to sound. Who trumpets? Now I remember talking about trumpets, don't you? Now I'm going to go through the original list of all these characteristics, and I'm going to show you where I believe a better location for rapture is, in my in, in my humble opinion. All right, 
I'm going to talk between Revelation 7 and 15. I believe between Revelation 7 and Revelation 15 is a picture, a running picture of what takes place at that rapture moment. How I many you know a lot of things are going to be cooking? When, when rapture takes place, it'll only take place, it'll happen that quick, but I will assure you, there's lots of things that'll be going on right around that moment. All right, let's talk about mystery. I'm going to go through this quick. In Revelation 10, 7, it says, But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, it says the mystery of God would be finished. Remember I told you in the original list, he said that the rapture was a mystery? Well, here we find mystery again. The mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. So there's mystery. Turn to chapter 11. Number two, remember the trumpet? If you have seven angels that are blowing seven trumpets, okay, this is addition, all right? This is first grade. Seven angels, seven trumpets. If you're listening to the last seven, excuse me, the seven, see, I gave away the answer. If you're listening to the seventh trumpet, that is the last trumpet. If all you got seven. In Revelation eleven fifteen, it says the seventh angel sounded that seventh trumpet. There were loud voices in heaven. Let's talk about number three. Let's talk about the angels, the archangel. Revelation 8 says, I saw another angel having a golden scepter. And he says that when this angel comes out, he's talking about holding in that incense the prayers of the saints before the throne. And he took the censer, and there were noises, thundering, lightning, and an earthquake. And then seven angels come out and begin to blow things. i got to hurry here. Revelation 7, 9 through 17, the dead in Christ. Um, it says here in Revelation 7, 9, And the, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nation, tribe, people, throngs, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, palm branches in their hand, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And it talks about all the angels that are worshiping there in, in, in that moment. Number five, it happened in a split second. Revelation 6.13, it says, And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. That fast. Number seven, the Bible tells us the clouds open. Verse 14, then the sky receded or opened up, split apart as a scroll when it's rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Number eight, let's talk about the reward. You say, well, you say rewards took place. Well, look in Revelation 11. It says in verse 18, and the nations were angry, and it says, your wrath has come. Isn't that interesting? Wrath hadn't come yet, but now he says it has come. Your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Now, isn't that interesting? There they are. He says, you're... It's time. It's time for the wrath of God to be poured out. The Bible tells us, number nine, that we avoid wrath. We certainly do. If you go back to chapter six, I know I'm moving through this quickly, but when that seal is opened and the trumpets are released, it says in verse 17, for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? And it's interesting that it doesn't get poured out till chapter 16, verse one. It says, then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying, to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. Again, number 10, I've already read to you, there's sudden destruction that's going to take place. 
It's interesting that, number 11, I talked to you about how the saints would not be surprised totally. How many of you know that, that, if, that if you're a student of God's word and that, and that you have any discernment or understanding at all, that you can begin to see certain scenarios begin to unfold and envelop? And while the rest of the world is going along and we're standing up going, hey, 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 biochip in your forehead, knucklehead. Think about it. How many of you, how many of you know that they, that day shall not overtake us as a thief? It shall not overtake us as a thief. This is the middle, this is the middle of what Daniel called his 70th week. And you know what? I honestly believe that again, we won't know the day or the hour because we don't know that day or hour, but I honestly believe that you can see things begin to envelop that you have to say to yourself, we've got to be close. And then finally, number 12, and this is the one, and we're leaving it with this, the Antichrist is revealed. Now, I want everybody to turn here, and I'm done. Revelation 13, verses 3 and 4. Now, in Revelation 13, see, we're out of here. We're out of here. Jesus comes and he's taking his saints out. And then all of a sudden it says that this beast rises up out of the sea. We'll talk about that beast. Seven heads, ten horns, all these things that are going on. Wild picture. He said, the beast which I saw was like a leopard. And he begins to describe the beast. I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And then all of a sudden his deadly wound was healed. Listen to this. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him? All of a sudden, we see this, this satanic, so to speak, a resurrection of a mortally wounded antichrist. And as he comes on the scene, everybody all of a sudden goes, whoa, they're astonished. They're amazed. And all of a sudden, there's a revelation I remember this guy, but who is this guy? And all of a sudden, Antichrist is revealed. Now we can talk about things like 666 and all those things that are going to be happening in that particular time period. So get this again. Seven seals release seven trumpets. Last trumpet releases seven bowls of wrath that begins to be poured out in this incredible, difficult time period. All right, the good news is we gone. Praise God. But here's the deal. Now, this, now let me just tell you one more thing about this. This is a time period. As this is happening, I honestly believe Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Though there be gross darkness, will be a light in this particular time period. This is going to be an amazing time period. I, I believe there'll be a Jewish revival. And I also believe there'll be a Gentile revival. As God brings in his last harvest for this moment right here. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I don't, we, we, I don't know when that starts. I don't know. I don't know that it hasn't started. Wow. But I know this much. I know, I know while some paint it as a really bleak time, 
I believe it could be the most incredible time period that you and I have ever lived in, where we see God begin to bring in his harvest. And we'll see the hard nuts saved and the hard cases brought to the Lord. Yeah, you'll see some things that won't be so fun either, but I'm just telling you, I honestly believe that the saints of old, that's why the saints of old are under the altar going, how long, how long, how long? I'm just telling you, the Lord says just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, because I want all the harvest that's due me to come in. Amen. I got to leave it there. Stand with me. Number six and seven on the screen. Guys, flash, if you go back and flash uh, that list again, that last one, six and seven, number six and seven, and we'll do that. All right. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We've been doing this on Wednesday. It's kind of been an unusual thing because I don't normally do this on Wednesday, but the last two Wednesday nights, the Holy Spirit has just showed up and folks just wanted to get some things right in their heart. And I just feel like that the prophecy of the book of the Revelation is true that says that if, that if you'll read this book and seek to understand it, you will be blessed. And I don't claim to understand it all, and I don't even claim that my view is the only view or, the, or, the, or, or, the, or, or that, I, you know, there couldn't be others that see it a different way, and, you know, we can still fellowship. I'm just, I'm just seeking to understand it. But I know this, that when it's proclaimed and it's taught right, and God's word goes out no matter what, even with my imperfections and yours, <laughs> that the Holy Spirit can still work. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give the Holy Spirit another opportunity. Holy Spirit, we honor your ministry in this place. We honor what you do. Spirit of God, you are the only one that can do now what needs to be done. Lord, we can teach, we could preach, we can share, we could testify, we could do all sorts of things, but only you can reach into the heart of a man or a woman and melt it and speak to it and draw it. So I know you're always faithful to your word. Would you do that right now? Would you move up and down aisles and in between seats? And Lord, would you talk to us, speak to us? And Lord, if there's someone here in the middle of the week that would just say, you know, I just need to get some things right. I want to be clean before my God. Lord, let them, let them just be courageous in this moment with heads bowed and eyes closed. And I'm not going to put you on the spot in any way, shape, or form. But this is before God, and of course, I'm going to be looking right now. But if the Lord's talking to you and you need to get something right, we're going to pray together before we're done. But right where you are, just lift your hand to the Lord and say, I want to get some things right. So if that's you, just lift your hand right now. Lift your hand right now. He's moving. If there's anyone else, just keep it up for a minute. Thank you. You can put your arms down. First night we had 14, first Wednesday. Second Wednesday we had 10. And tonight there were nine hands that were, went up and just said, you know, there's just some things I want to get right in my heart right now before I go tonight. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for being obedient to the Lord. Thank you that right now, because you were honest and obedient, God will meet you. And, and, and he will touch you. So let's all just join together and let's pray. And for those of you that lifted your hand, if you, will, if you will repeat after me, but if you will repeat it with sincerity and with genuineness, just as if you came up with the very words yourself, God will see that and he will move and he will forgive and he will cleanse 
and he'll transform and he'll he'll turn your life around and you won't have to fear this stuff you'll be able to rejoice Paul said comfort one another with these words man I'm jazzed that we could be the generation Wow so let's pray everyone together say dear Jesus thank you for your faithfulness thank you for talking to me thank you for letting me know that with you I win I have nothing to fear and right now in the name of Jesus I confess my sin my shortcomings my mistakes and my failures I confess that you are Lord and I ask you to forgive my sin I choose to turn to repent to walk in another direction and I believe old things are passing away all things are becoming new and according to your word if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart he was raised from the dead I will be saved I stand on that word I am a new creature in Jesus Christ I will never be the same never ever be the same you're giving me power to walk this newness out and I receive it I thank you for it and I honor you Lord with my whole life and it's in Jesus name I pray amen can we give the Lord a big hand clap Thank you, Lord. And uh, remember, Sunday's a big day. And, and I'm just going to encourage you. you uh, no one will know. I'll never know. But, but if you raised your hand and uh, God's done something in your life, you know, a good thing to do is to just tell somebody. So I encourage you. Tell someone before you go tonight. Pick up the phone and tell somebody. And you know what? I, I know this much. If you tell somebody in this congregation, they'll jump up and down and rejoice with you. I mean, they'll, that, they'll, be, they'll be glad and happy. And I encourage you to do that because that will give you strength. Amen. All right, love one another, drive home safe, and you're released. God bless you.